John, the big get, Brett Yarmark, the commissioner of the Big 12. And Andrew, they said it could never be done, but it was our 100th episode. And we're back. The Martian and Oran Sports Media Podcast, episode number 100. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. On the board, as always, the master of the board is Chris Mason. AC White puts it all together. If you like, if you follow, if you rate and you write something nice, we appreciate it. John, a hundredth episode. Who would have thought? It, I think Al had it right. Do you believe in miracles? <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to talk about it a, l- a little bit toward the end of the show. But you know, your favorite guests. You know that 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 we've had it's a hundred shows. That's a lot. And what I keep thinking about, Andrew, you keep saying we need to go to two hundred before we really get our uh, rhythm going. So we're only halfway there. Well, I was told that by a top audio executive that two hundred shows is when you really evaluate a podcast. So we're halfway through. Uh, the fact that we made it halfway there. Here's the thing about it. People are like, congratulations. Well, anybody can have a podcast and we're proving that every week. Uh, but this, which we're, let's just explain this podcast. We're doing a little bit different, not looking back to the hundred shows, but we're going to have our top five topics of the hundred shows, discuss those. Um, we'll have our who's up, who's down in a moment. And then of course the big guy, a real good one, uh, big 12, Brett Yormark, the commissioner, uh, excited to, to bring that in a little bit, but let's go. Who's up and who's down. Who's up? Who's down? All right, Andrew, over 100 episodes. Who is your first 100th? Who's up? My who's up is Tom Brady. Now, this is going to be one of the topics later. I could have gone Peyton Manning, could have gone Tony Romo, could have gone Greg Olson, who I think Greg Olson actually is the leader in terms of my most who's ups. Uh, But I'm going to go Tom Brady because I think he shows how big the sports media game has become not only because of his 10 year, $375 million contract, but he's considered the greatest football player of all time. And he's going to be in the broadcast booth. Wait, what does the Brady meter say? Uh Oh, Brady meter. Brady meter 50, 50. All right. Brady meters at 50, 50. We'll leave it there. No change on the Brady meter. No change. Well, it was 51, 49. And that was the last time we said this caused some issues, but Tom Brady, I think, is just um, emblematic of how big this topic has become, if it's college football, if it's the regional sports networks. uh, But he's considered the greatest football player of all time, and then he's next going to be in the broadcast booth in a year. uh, And we've seen so many ramifications uh, for what uh, is going on, especially in the NFL booths, but just all over the place uh, with the NBA booths, um, baseball, everywhere. A lot of change over the last 100 episodes. And I think Tom Brady signing with Fox Sports, though, is the biggest and uh, most important. And if he ends up doing it, will be the biggest topic um, a year from now. My who's up, Andrew, is Marie Donahue, who is the top executive for Amazon. And this is why. When they went to get the Thursday Night Football package, it was a package that every single TV network passed on. So it, it looked like it was destined to fail. Uh, the the viewership was certain to be low. Um, the production quality was was good. The viewership was low, but that, that was to be expected. But they proved that they could amass a big audience and not have the not have everything crash. And so I, I think 
by all respects, Thursday Night Football on Amazon has been a resounding success, and that was not certain uh, when we started this pod 100 episodes ago. So, so congratulations to Marie and to Amazon on that. Once they got the NFL, and once they found success with the NFL, look, this is a, the Jeff Bezos company. They have the deepest pockets that are out there. So I thought that they would start spending money indiscriminately just to keep getting sports rights. And what's what, what I've seen is that they've been very disciplined, much more disciplined than I ever would have expected in terms of where they're going to put their money and what kind of packages uh, that, that, they, that they want. So they're not trying to build an ESPN Plus or, or even become a worldwide leader in sports on, uh, on digital. They're being very methodical and getting packages that make sense for Amazon. And the, their strategy is coming through. We can see it now. And I think over the uh, last 100 weeks, it has been uh, a resounding success for Marie and for Amazon. All right, my who's down are the ESPN direct-to-consumer naysayers. One of the big things we started talking about this right from the beginning is when will ESPN, the whole enchilada, go direct-to-consumer? I said it then. It would be within five years. It's going to be within five years. Um, Not going to be next year, unlikely. 2025, very possible. It will happen by 26. I think anybody who doubted that ESPN was going direct to consumer is going to be proven wrong. Now, things do change, but uh, you could just see the trends this week. The NFL with NFL Network uh, brought it direct to consumer. We've seen it in the regional sports networks. Uh, They've gone mostly direct to consumer, at least offering that product. Um, And here's another prediction. When ESPN goes direct to consumer, I don't think it's going to have as big an impact uh, over the cable bundle, which is, of course, going down and will continue to until it probably plateaus around $50 million. Um, But that said, it's happening. So my who's down is all the ESPN direct to consumer naysayers, because if people listen to this, we've been talking about this subject and writing about it for a long time. I know it's become very popular in recent months, uh, but uh, ESPN direct to consumer naysayers uh, will be proven wrong, and with by 2026, ESPN will have a product where you don't need cable, which will be a huge thing, but uh, I don't think it will be as groundbreaking in terms of changing the business. I think the business will already be changing at that point, even you know, even so, even without it. Andrew, my who's down, no surprise at all. At the Super Bowl in Arizona, I was walking out of the press room, and this guy came up to me and showed me his fantasy football team name, was who's down Chris Ripley. And he said he was the only one in his league that understood it, but he thought it was funny. So that, that, that's what he made the, the, the name. Chris Ripley of Sinclair, the obvious choice for who's down over the uh, first 100 uh, episodes. We're going to talk about the RSN implosion. That's one of the topics that's, uh, that, that is coming up. But it's an implosion that didn't have to be this quick and this violent. If you look at at uh, the NBC sports, regional sports networks, they're still profitable. They're not as profitable as they used to be, but they're still profitable. If you look at Yes Network or what's happening in, in Los Angeles with the Dodgers and the Lakers Network or the or, or Nesson, even even Masson, which has had a, a couple of uh, tough headlines over the past couple of weeks, it's that's still a profitable network. Sinclair, uh, which, run, which uh, used to run the Bally Sports uh, Networks, you know, they they mismanaged those networks. They mismanaged 
the relationships. We already uh, taped our interview with Brett Yormark, and one of the things he talks about is how he's a relationship guy. You hear that in the sports and media business all the time. Chris Ripley mismanaged every relationship with the with big people who matter, like Rob Manfred, and and uh, and, and with the NBA, there was no reason why those RSNs had to drop as far and as fast as they did. And over the uh, first 100 episodes, I think that's a pretty clear call. No, no, 100%. If you didn't do Chris Ripley, um, that would have been, there would have been a riot about the pod because obviously who's down. And that's great. That fantasy football name. And if we inspire any other fantasy, why did you tell that story earlier? That's a tremendous story. Well, you know, I was waiting to to get the, the guy's name. I wanted to give him an actual shout out. And I, ne- I never got his name and we never followed up on it. So if you're listening to this, let me know because I, I, lo- I love that name. All right, let's go to the topics. Uh, and like we said, this is going to be top 100 show topics. Um, and so we have our top five stories. Um, and, you know, you could debate, you could put some others in there. But the number one story... We'll start there. We just talked about maybe doing descending order, but let's go. We're going to go in ascending order. The number one story. Maybe we get a little drum roll. Thank you, Chris Mason. ESPN in transition, um, which is, I think when I look at when we did this list, it's not only the stories that just happened, but what is going to happen. Um, When I say ESPN in transition, what do you think, John? I see a network that has grown it was it was known as the worldwide leader in sports they stopped calling themselves that uh, uh you know a long time ago but it was it it, ha- it grabbed every rights package that was out there it overspent on rights in order to keep other people a- a- out of the business and the espn of today if you look at what they've passed on e- even they, they passed on nascar they passed on the big 10 uh, they passed on the Pac-12. They passed on MLS. Like but this isn't the ESPN that you and I grew up with, Andrew. They're uh, being much tighter with their purse strings. Uh, they're seeing a cable business that has dropped from more than a hundred thousand homes down to around seventy, and 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 it uh, looks to be uh, be continuing to drop. So it, it's tough, and they're doing different things. Like uh, one of the topics this week, if 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 it weren't our one hundredth episode, certainly would have been the pen gaming. Well, let's, let's talk about the pen gaming. Let's talk about, let's get into it just because it's a hundred show. We don't have to be like totally limited. Um, you know, cause that hit right before we'd already recorded. So we didn't really chime in on the pod ESPN bet. What's your take on that deal with pen? It's for uh, two, it can be worth $2 billion over 10 years. Uh, what's your thought process on that? I wasn't surprised to see ESPN do that because they've been talking about doing this for more than a year. What did surprise me is that this is ESPN. I just assumed that they were going to match up with a FanDuel, with a DraftKings, with an MGM, one of the one of the uh, big players in the business, and they decided to go to Penn. Where, where would you rank Penn? Four or five? Like, yeah. you know. I don't have it, official it, rankings, but yeah. Well, we, we'll, we'll set up the Mando rankings, right? Right, right after the uh, the Tom Brady meter. Hey. Um, uh, so I was surprised about that, and I'm, I'm curious to see where this goes, but we... ESPN already has gambling shows, related shows across all of its platforms. You see, you see odds and bets on on all the time. Scott Van Pelt, the the first guest on on the uh, the Mando Pod, uh, has you know the Bad Beats, which is a a viral segment on his Sports Center show. So it, it's not a huge surprise, but it it signifies that this is this is what a way for ESPN sort of to, to see its way forward by bringing in significant revenue. 
when I, you know, heard that news become official, yeah, I agree. I wasn't surprised at all. I, I don't know if it's as like going to change the, you know, people are like, it's just like, people are making a lot of uh, drastic assumptions about ESPN and what it means. I just think they're getting in. They, there's, this is cash. I know that, you know, their thing is that um, we want to be where the fans want it. And the fans are saying that they want them to be there. Yeah, maybe. I think it's about money. Quite honestly, this is an infusion of cash um, in a business that is still doing very well, but doesn't have the cable revenue streams. They aren't what they once were. So, of course, you're going to look for ways to to make more money. And uh, everyone in sports has gotten into the betting game. I don't know if, you know if we look at it five, ten years from now. Is this the right thing to be doing? I'm not really positive about that overall in terms of, but but everyone's doing it so that, you know, there's no excuse really at this point, even though Bob Iger had his reservations initially. Now, um, you know, they need the money. So they're they're doing it. But I don't think it's going to change ESPN that much. I, I think you'll see it as part of the programming. I think Pat McAfee, um, it kind of puts that deal in the focus. And maybe McAfee gets some money from this deal as well. So that around $85 million that I reported over five years that he's making could get a little bit of a bonus there. That wouldn't surprise me if some people are cut in. I think that's been discussed in recent years um, about some of the big name people who have had gambling uh, opportunities or that's been a threat. Um so I wouldn't be surprised if McAfee makes a little more money than um, than he initially uh, was. Uh, and so I think it, it helps them, but I don't think it's uh, changing anything. And then let's just get the direct consumer. Well, uh, in fact, before you go on, they're still going to be able to sell ads to DraftKings and the FanDuel and the, the other company. I don't know if they'll want to get those, uh, buy those ads. I suspect they probably will. So it's it's really just like you said, an influx of money that's coming in. And you're going to see a little bit more branded programming maybe on there. But I, I can't I, I can't foresee that you'll see more gambling related programming on the sports that you watch. And then let's just get to the before we move to the second topic. When we talk about ESPN DTC, are you on board with me that it's going to happen maybe 25 or 26 at the latest? It's going to be right on our right on the cusp of uh, of our original bet. I think it's going to, you know twenty five is what it is. We're going to be looking up dates about the official first. I, I think we don't have to. I've said this before, but uh, the idea that Kevin Mayer is in there and and, and under the hood right now suggests it's on, it's going to happen quicker than I uh, originally forecast. Okay, so you owe me a dinner. Maybe. And ESPN, I mean, a lot of people saying, you know, the death of ESPN, well, they're going to have a couple of Super Bowls on ESPN ABC coming up starting in 27. Uh, and they're going to have college football everywhere. I, the NBA, they're probably going to re-up. So uh, I don't know. Maybe ESPN is not going to affect anybody's life. Maybe overall, they're not going to make as much money as a company. They're still going to make money, just not as much. Sorry, shareholders, perhaps. But uh, in terms of being in part of a sports viewer's Sports fans life, ESPN's not going anywhere. These two, though, second story have shown up. Amazon and Apple, that's been a huge story. Uh, you know, we talked about with ESPN DTC, you have NBC with Peacock, you got CBS with Paramount Plus. We go on and on. Uh, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery with Max. Everybody has their streaming arm. Uh, Fox with 2B. Um, but then Amazon and Apple, though, I mean, come on, they're the leaders and what their impact is going to be over the next hundred shows, next thousand shows, next 10,000 shows. <laughs> we're not making 10,000 shows, but um, we're not, maybe we're make a thousand. But um, yeah. the Apple, Amazon, 
you mentioned Amazon as your who's up with Marie Donahue. Um, what do you take when you, when I say Amazon and Apple, what's your, what's your view? So it's funny because they are here and they're making significant deals. Uh, neither company yet has made a deal where they've gone head to head with the linear traditional television network. There still is league executives, conference executives still prioritize the reach of, of those networks. And I, I'm just going to uh, be a little bit negative here uh, on them in terms of a hundred episodes ago, I thought when they got in, they were going to get in big. And when they got in big, they can, look, Amazon and Apple can buy and sell ESPN, CBS, and NBC. I, I, I disagree so much. I'm going to let you finish, but I disagree so much with what you're saying right now. They're not spending. They're, 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 they're not overspending on these. They're, they're being very disciplined in, in, in what, in what they're, uh, they're paying uh, for this. The Pac-12 deal was a, was a bargain deal for, for Apple. The MLS deal, that was a very good deal for Apple. They're putting the risk back on these conferences in a way that the TV networks never have been able to do. John, I'm going to say three letters to you. NFL. Amazon is in business with the NFL. I mean, they spent a billion dollars and they got- We've done this before. I know, but John, when, when, when ESPN got the NFL, where did they start? Again, that is the cable TV business of 40 years ago. If you're using that model, that's not a good model for 220. What do you mean? When a new entity comes in, they don't come in doing the Super Bowl. You got to prove it. And then you, you overpay to get into the NFL. Apple, you're right about. They haven't proven that they're going to overpay for anything to get in. Like, do they really want in on sports? And in defense of Apple, this is me defending Apple oh, here on sports. I, here we go. They They're in the messy business. I mean, like we, we talk about like where you want to be, right? Do you want to be in the NFL business? Yes. You want to be in the NBA business? Yes. Baseball, we go on and on, right? You want to be in the messy business if you can. I, I, again, I like, look, the what he's actually being paid and getting a cut of, does that make sense? I would say for MLS and uh, Apple in terms of doing a deal with Messi, that's like doing a deal with Taylor Swift. It's It makes perfect sense. And those are big time deals. Now, I agree with you. Apple has not proven that it will go all in. The NBA is going to tell us a lot. I do think Amazon is, to me, a little bit more, I think it's more likely uh, than Apple that they do a Thursday night deal. Now, is Apple involved somehow? I mean, there is like virtual reality and all these other things that they could get involved in, um, which is kind of the next thing that Meta has tried to get into. And then Apple, and I'm sure Amazon's working on things as well. And so maybe they get in that way. But I... Uh, to, to act like they haven't gotten in big. Yeah, I agree. They're not just going crazy spending like everything because th what they're offering is different. They don't have to fill a schedule. They can just have things on. You don't think that at some point soon that Amazon's going to have something on Friday nights? No. I certainly do. For the past decade, the past decade, Nirvana for every single sports league, sports team, and sports conference was all these big, deep-pocketed digital companies are going to come in and boy, it's going to be great. It hasn't been great. They haven't been spending uh, the the amount of money. NASCAR's uh, rights are up right now. Uh, the Pac-12 decided that they'd rather disband than accept Apple's offer. These offers financially are not what anybody in the sports business were hoping for a uh, hundred episodes ago. And and so yeah, you know they're in. They're deciding where to spend. Uh, and so Amazon spending on uh, the NFL Thursday night football 
it's a good deal for them. They were my who's up. They're what where they're not spending. But why on? should they? I understand. Like, all right, like cry me a river for these sports leagues and conferences. If like the digital players don't want to spend as much as like just because they don't want to spend where it doesn't make sense. I don't. I mean, that's their. You're not going to be as big into sports as 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 people were thinking. So we're talking about Amazon Wait, and Apple, the sports. They're not going really, to hold on a second. You, Amazon's is in the NFL. There's a pretty good chance they're going to be in the NBA. Hold on a second. They're going to be in the NBA. There's a there's a chance. They also have all that. Amazon also has a business relationship with the New York Yankees. Do you oh, see God. what they're He's doing? Walking. They're in last place of the AL East. Is this <laughs> where we create They're still the Yankees. Okay. They might be in last place, but they're still the Yankees. They have business with them. They have a deal with the WNBA. Um, they have international deals with the NBA. There are big sports that they just said no to. They're they're not they they are not getting in. Look, Wait, they what did they say no to? They didn't do the Pac-12. They didn't do the. They didn't do the Pac-12. Pac-12 is do... Pac-4 now, so they, that was probably smart. Well, they it would have been the Pac-12, but they didn't do a, a MLS. You know, they 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 tried to get into the Big Ten and and didn't bid enough to. They sort didn't of... get the Big Ten. I'll give you that one. They didn't get the Big Ten. Big Ten. I'm just saying that they're that they are not the panacea that these leagues uh, that these league executives thought they would be, and that's a, that, that's a big deal. Yeah, but your your thesis is wrong. They're involved with the yeah, NFL, the no, Yankees. Sports is about more than the NFL. It is. I There's don't know. If you're paying attention to the media, if you're paying attention to the media, the NFL is number one. It's if, if I were to say what we cover, I would say it's 30%, maybe more, of importance. And then you'll have 50 leagues beyond that. They're not involved with those 50 leagues. No, they, they don't want, want to... the smaller leagues. Yeah, the smaller leagues are on their own. They yeah, you're right. They're not. The NBA, that's it. Those are the two. No, baseball. They want it on baseball. We, we Yankees are on it. Yeah. <laughs> the Yankees. They got 21 games on the Yankees. If you what? live in New York, Amazon's giving you value. Wednesday, Yankees. Thursday, uh, you know, everyone hates it. But um, Wednesday, Yankees. Thursday, you got Thursday Night Football. Yeah, they, they don't have national baseball. They don't have a hockey. They don't have college football. Apple they got can... national baseball. It's a terrible deal, but I mean, I mean, it's not a terrible deal because it's not a lot of money. But you know, nobody's watching. Oh, the oh, the Apple. No, I'm talking. Hey, I'm talking Amazon. No, I know the... Amazon. So I'm saying, but but you said we're doing Amazon and Apple. Apple is involved. They got an MLS. They don't seem Apple. Look, they didn't do a Sunday ticket deal. I would say Amazon seems way more invested right now in sports than Apple. I think that's yeah. pretty clear. This is over the over again over the last 100 episodes. This is the one area that you and I rapidly disagree uh, all the time. There, and everyone there's... I talk to thinks you're wrong. All right, Andrew. On that note, number three. Let's get to topic three. NFL media. This was the story that like you you uh, are sending your kids to college on. I think the amount of um, movement that we saw. In the broadcaster booths uh, a year ago, was uh, look. I've been covering the the beat for for a while. Like I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, when you think about it, we mentioned Tom Brady is still in the on deck circle at Fox. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman leave Fox to go to ESPN. Uh, it all started really. I mean, I could go way back to where it really started. But if you want to be a, you know, is the Tony Romo contract when he got the eighteen million dollars um, per year. Uh, and then, um, you know, Tariko moves in uh, for Sunday night booth. Al Michaels goes to Amazon. Then they try to get Sean McVay. They're going to offer $20 million. He turns it down. I think he might 
You might regret that slightly after last year's poor season. You can make it 20 mil with a kid on the way uh, and then be picking his next head coaching job, but it'll work out for Sean McVay, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, that, that's been, it's put more emphasis on the booths. Um, Greg Olson came out, had a tremendous season. Um, and so he and Kevin Burkhart became the first one in a long time to, you know, to break up the grouping of Al Michaels, Joe Buck, and Jim Nance have gone the Super Bowl forever. Yeah, it's been in transition. And then the overall deals. We talked about the Amazon deal. I mean, they were just, you say it's not that important in the NFL, but they just did deals for $110 billion. I'm going to say that again. John says not important. $110 billion. That's a B. John said, yeah, it's, not, it's a little league. It's not the most important. It's, it's the most important league. <laughs> just totally misrepresent you love doing that too that's the thing of the pot john like something that i don't like john does during the pot he'll be like we think this and i'm like i'm thinking to myself i never thought this you think this and you're putting my maybe i maybe i think that let me speak for myself so i'm gonna put those words now, i know you know the nfl is important it, um, yeah the, the nfl is a, it's a cute little league uh exactly. here's a deal about those that, those nfl deals i won't talk about how apple passed on sunday ticket you know they did no that's true you're right they did but they brought in another one of the digital players in Google. So now we have Google involved. It's just, here's the thing about it. They're not, and, and this is the big thing. I think MLS through you and, and Apple tries to get into the pod, which is true. They're not doing traditional deals. They don't look at these deals. Like we look at a broadcast deal. And so, you know, do I think Google YouTube, do they look like they're going to be putting on games ever? It doesn't maybe event one day, but it doesn't feel like that's what they're doing. They want to house games. That's why like ESPN and Apple is, uh, you know, having some kind of, or one of these, maybe YouTube, maybe it's um, Amazon, you know, some sort of um, partnership makes some sense to me because I think they want to just, they want to house the games. They don't necessarily want to produce games. I mean, maybe, but like, that doesn't seem like a big part of their businesses. Well, I, I feel like uh, th this pod, I'm thinking in the role of being exceedingly negative. And so I'm going to be exceedingly negative on, on the NFL's media deals, which, uh, Oh, it was $110 billion. Hmm. And so you saw- I want to hear this. We exceedingly negative that they got $110 billion. Okay. Well, you saw NBC is paying uh, more than a billion dollars per year more for the exact same inventory. And you're seeing uh, Fox pay more than a billion dollars more per year for the uh, pretty much the exact same inventory. Same for CBS. ESPN is a little bit below that. And so when we talk about uh, or when I talk about, I did the Royal We there, Andrew, but when I yep. talk about Amazon and Apple not digging into their deep pockets and, and just keeping these these sports leagues afloat, the, the, there's, uh, there's a real reckoning that is coming for leagues that are not the NFL, big college, or the NBA, because these, the, the, these TV networks can't just make money out of nothing. Like mm. they, they, it's not like all of a sudden they're going to go to the advertisers and say, we need a billion more dollars. It doesn't work that way. They are in a cord cutting environment. They're making less from that part of uh, things. And so when you see a league like MLS have to go to Apple or you see uh, a, a conference like the Pac-12, it had to go to Apple. It's because the money's it's it's drying up or it's it's being saved for other things. Do you like ESPN? They could have done a Pac-12 deal and, and, and been OK. But that would would that hinder what they would be able to to bid for the NBA, which they value a whole lot more than the Pac-12. So that that money that the that the NFL is bringing in is uh, it, it's really creating an environment that 
I, it's not a bubble bursting, but I've, I've never seen the, this sort of like pessimism around these rights deals outside of those, uh, th those big leagues as, as I have uh, uh, today. Well, I mean, look, no graph in the history of the world has just gone up, right? That just doesn't happen. So it does make sense at some point, it's either going to plateau or go back down in terms of the rights. And we're already, we've already seen it in college. And where does that go? I mean, it, it probably has a lot to do with if people can figure out how to make streaming successful, um, you know, as either your core business or your side hustle uh, in terms of how you uh, monetize. Um, and then the gambling space, that's what we're talking about with ESPN. I mean, you know, them adding $200 million a year, you know, that does, you know, most of the big 12 deal, right? You know, or probably actually, they probably paid half of it. So, or a little more than half, or maybe that is the big 12. They're probably paying about 200, I'd say, uh, per year. So, you know, that allows them to do those type of things. Um, and so, yeah, but I don't think the NFL did anything wrong, like where they should have gone for less money. No, I'm not saying the NFL did anything wrong. I'm just saying that there's a knock-on effect for them taking that much money out of the uh, out of the market. Out of the system. Yeah, well, yeah, the NFL, because they're the most powerful. That's why Amazon getting a deal with the NFL was a good thing for Amazon and like showing their important sports. For the worst package in, uh, the, the NFL provides. That's well, I, 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 I got to let this go because people are probably like, let it go. But like, what package do you think they should have gotten? I, I, they're Amazon. Pay up, get a, get a Super Bowl. They, they could have paid up. Totally. They're not they, putting. They a, I mean, money. I guess if you if they doubled what other people are paying, but then you're making the precedent, you have to just get in first. How do you think ESPN got? Uh, they're paying more than everybody else because they knew they had to pay more. That, 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 yeah, they, they had a terrible deal. They they've recently made their deals better. The previous deals they had the terrible Monday night schedule. They had no Super Bowl. They barely had playoffs. They were involved with the NFL. I felt that's all the, the from what you say. That's all you want to do is get involved no. with the NFL. ESPN started in with the NFL in the mid to late 80s. Now we're 2023. Amazon just starting in with the NFL. They got their first domestic deal on Thursday nights. So you don't get the best deal. And it actually worked out. They made a kind of a smart deal in this sense is that the NFL is in very incentivized to make it better. The schedule is better this year. Flex scheduling late in the season on Thursday night, moving a Sunday, Thursday night is ridiculous for fans. It's terrible. It's awful. Roger Goodell, that's terrible. However, that's still a good thing for Amazon if they, it wants better games in theory. They'll probably do it maybe once, um, maybe not even at all. But but that's, you know, they, they're, they Thursday night football is not a bad, that's where you start. Like you're not going to get the Fox or CBS package if you're Amazon, that first first deal. After a hundred episodes, I I thought maybe you you'd get you'd be right every now and then. Yeah. Oh, Let's God. go to uh, topic four. NBA media. We talked about the market as being really bad for a lot of leagues. I don't think that's the case with the NBA, and this is why there's more than one bidder for a couple of packages. ESPN wants it. Uh, Turner wants to keep it. NBC wants to get in. Amazon wants to be in. And Apple is always lurking as somebody that, that wants to kick the tires. The question is going to be, how many packages is the uh, NBA going to try to create to try to uh, to drive as much as they can? I think the NBA is fine. No, I think the NBA is going to do real well. Um, we talked about it last week. Uh, you know, ESPN is going to, I think, retain uh, the finals, likely. Uh, I think they'll do less regular season games. I don't think they care that much about this new tournament. Um, but maybe they'll get involved in that. Uh, and then I think the digital players, you know, if I'm an Amazon um, and you get Thursdays and you do get in on this new tournament, 
I think you want to own things. That's what Amazon wants to do. I mean, I think when you look at Thursday night football, um, it's not football. It's owning a night in America. And you could say that the ratings weren't as good and they weren't as good as compared to Fox. They still own Thursday night. Like that's where you look to. There's one night a week for four months of the year where you go to Thursday night and Amazon owns it. That's pretty powerful. You know how they, do you know how they own Thursday night or why we know they own Thursday night? Uh, ESPN and Fox did not counter program. They, if I was ESPN, I'd be putting a big college football game up against Thursday night football and try to keep people on the linear uh, service. And they didn't want to do that. They know even though it's going to digital and it's going yeah. to Amazon Prime, they, but they have a game they, on. They have a Thursday night have a game on, but it's it, it's generally it's not the game, not a great game. You're saying okay. And so I think the NBA, when you look at it, um, they're very, I think they're very well positioned. I don't think they're going to triple what they're getting, but maybe double. Um, and, you know, and NBC, I think broadcast is like, I think what's going to be interesting about the NBA deal is how much broadcast is involved and how they look at distribution compared to money. Um, and is distribution more, you know, again, within reason, more important than money. Um, and, you know, we talked to your Mark, the big gets coming up in a couple of minutes. And, you know, he talked about what they were thinking about in terms of the digital world compared to the linear world and where it stands now. And when their contracts up in 2030, I think it'll be interesting to see where the NBA comes out. I think they're going to follow the NFL model, in my opinion. I think they're going to be heavy as much as they can broadcast and cable, and then there'll be a digital player, at least one. Um, and most likely I'd say Amazon. Uh, and so I think that's where that nets out uh, in terms of their deals. And I think they're gonna make a lot of money. I can't wait to get to our big get. Uh, we, as I said, we've already done the interview and uh, Brett, Brett Yormark's as good as advertised. Let's go to our fifth topic, uh, the RSN implosion. I talked about this with my who's down uh, and, and sort of what happened. Uh, I've described it before as sort of a hurricane, a slow moving hurricane that was coming up. It's hit. And the big questions that we're gonna be uh, focused on over the next 100 episodes is what does the NBA, the MLB, and NHL do with these local rights? More importantly, what are teams going to be doing because they're going to be losing revenue? They're going to be losing mo. They're they're not going to be making as much from their local media rights as they were with the RSNs. We've seen some um, local broadcasters step in. Scripps Sinclair has uh, some uh, out there. Next Star as well. Um, and so uh, that's th- that. That's an interesting way of, lo- of of moving forward. We're seeing um, direct to consumer and more more uh, more of the teams trying to dive into into that aspect of things. None of these are going to bring in as much money, uh, and it, it's too early to tell right now. It's too early to even make some sort of prediction about how we're going to be watching these games moving forward. But it's uh, it, it is a story that's not going to end anytime soon. And the fun thing about doing the pod is that, you know, we write a lot of stuff and research and talk to a lot of people. That's why I want to do the pod with you because I knew how well-informed you are. And so I don't want to give you story ideas, but I think it's a little more SBJ than New York Post. A story that I'm interested in trying to understand, maybe you have an answer now, but I think if I were to do it, I'd need to make some calls. Like, I, I get everyone just says you can't make as much money digitally as a compared to the RSNs. And that makes sense, right? Everyone was paying for your cable bill and- you know, how are you going to, to to do that? But can baseball, let's say, for example, be successful in a digital world selling their games? And I, I think subscriptions like misunderstood overall, like especially when you're selling like Apple is doing with MLS globally in terms of that business. Now, how to 
affects all your other businesses. That's not for me to say. But is there a world where the Padres can be successful and make a lot of money selling their games digitally? No, but I think they could be successful having MLB control selling those games locally. Because if I lived in San Diego and I was an Orioles fan, I, I, I'd be able, I would just, you know, I, I'd be, and I'd cut the cord. I would just subscribe to, you know, the MLB at bat and every, every game's a local game. And so in a way, one of the, one of the things about baseball is that it's become the, the rise of the RSNs. It's become such a regional uh, sport. Yep. And what, how can you make it become national again? Because I live in DC and I want to see Shohei Otani make it easy for me to watch those games. And I but doesn't I love that to- kill the national, but doesn't that like, I, you know, the thing about like the Apple deal um, is that like, I, I, yeah, it, it makes sense. Like I've said before, if you started right now at ground zero, um, then the way Apple wants to do it, the amount of money that they have, I, I put them as the leaders and they probably win, but we're not at ground zero, right? We're not there. Um, and if you're the leagues, doesn't it kill the idea of like exclusive national games like the NHL, for example, now ESPN does carve out a few where it's like, you can only watch on Hulu or ESPN plus, or, you know, like ways that, but that kind of frustrates fans. I think more than feels like they give them value, even though a lot of people have ESPN plus or have Hulu. So it's maybe not as big a deal, but um, I don't know. It kind of takes away your, you're you're paying one side, but you're then you're taking it out of the other side because if all games are available, then what what is Fox doing on a game of the week? Yeah, and and you've identified one of the one of the things that that baseball has to get through. And one idea is that Fox would have an exclusive window where there would be no other games mm. uh, d- during that period. Same thing may, maybe with, with uh, ESPN. The other one is they could possibly get these Bally Sports rights. You know, depending on what happens with uh, with Diamond Sports, which runs them. The other big problem is some of the main markets. Yes, network. It's a successful RSN that that prints money. You know, do they really want to sort of just give up their rights and give up the New York market to to baseball? Convincing the biggest brands, the biggest teams in baseball, the Red Sox, the uh, the Yankees, the uh, the Cubs, the Dodgers. That the Orioles and Mass, and of course, uh, you know, convincing them to to give up their rights for the greater good of of this streaming service that I just described is going to be a re- that's going to be a really tough road. A hundred percent. So um, that's going to be a big story next hundred episodes. You know where that goes, and um, and I, I got to be honest, it's like that. Those are a couple of the stories, especially the RSN one, where it just the tentacles could get into leagues. Like that's why people always say when you cover sports media. Yeah, you're covering football, you're covering basketball, you're covering baseball, you're covering all these things because media is what drives all this stuff. And uh, the RSN is a huge example of like where that's going to go. And I think, I think it's going to be a lot more haves and have nots, you know, like, and that's a problem for baseball. I mean, they're trying to, to make ways to make it more fair, but in terms of money, uh, it's going to be haves and have nots. Cause even though the last place Yankees um, aren't doing that well this year, they're still the most important rights to have. Even if you have Adley Rushman and Kevin Brown. By the way, before we get to the big get, Kevin Brown, does he have to leave? I wrote on Monday in New York Post Sports Plus, uh, he needs to leave. I think he has a year. Maybe they picked up his extension um, and maybe he has another year. But if if I'm them, um, if I'm Kevin Brown, I think I got to leave the Orioles. I don't know. Or outlast, you know or outlast the ownership, which is possible. That's that's possible. I think if I'm Kevin Brown, and I, 
you know, Baltimore is my adopted city. I bought a house there, you know, and, and, and I'm, he's happy in the community. And if you're Kevin Brown and you hear people in Camden Yards cheering free Kevin Brown, what does that do to you? Like, I know, I know, I know the ownership has some issues, but, but you know, when, when he calls a game, he's connecting with these fans. And so those fans like him. So what, like, I, I don't think it's as cut and dry as, you know, that, that owner made me mad. Now I have to go. I think that, that, you know, that there, there's a tug for, uh, uh, for, for the Orioles and just listening to him. I was texting, texting you, you had no, no interest, but I no was texting Monday night during the Mariners game after, uh, some, some wild plays in that game. And Kevin Brown was on the call and like, that's why people love him. All right. How about the statement though, that he had? Yeah, that was, ugh, that was, that was tough. I think there was probably a lot of negotiation with that statement. And then they finally got there. And that was probably the only way you get back in the air, which I wrote the other day. You got it. Sometimes I understand it. It didn't look great. And you're dealing with irrational people. So you have to do some things, but, but I still think you kind of have to get out of there. I don't know. I'd rent not buy if I were my advice. Well, I hope he sticks around. Andrew, I am excited to introduce our big get this week, Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark. Yormark started at the conference one year ago. I mean, August 1st. Jeez, Brett, it seems like 10 years to me. But Brett, in the past 12 months, has completely remade the Big 12 Conference. Brett is a sports business lifer. He started selling TV ad time for a bunch of um, Milwaukee sports teams, had a stint at NASCAR. And listen to this one, Andrew. He sold tickets to the beleaguered New Jersey Nets when they played in Continental Arena. Do you know what's hard? Not the Big 12. Selling tickets to one of the worst NBA teams playing in one of the worst arenas. Brett, how did you do it? Uh, he engineered the move going to, to Brooklyn, uh, and he ended up with a job at Rock Nation uh, before moving to the Big 12. Brett, thank you very much for joining us. Thrilled to be with both of you today. Really, it's an honor, and, and thank you for having me. Yeah, before we get to the Big 12, though, were you there when they almost changed the name to the Swamp Dragons? I was. I was. And how close did that actually come? How close did the Nets actually come to being called the Swamp Dragons, which is one the, of the great things ever? The president at the time was a gentleman by the name of John Spolster, a uh, pretty iconic figure in the in the world of sports business. He um, he brought that to ownership. I mean, it, it was certainly something that was vetted out at the highest levels. And at the time, the Secaucus 7 were a little risk adverse and decided against it. But uh, he pushed that agenda as far as he could. Uh, yeah, that mm -hmm. would have been great. I, I like that name, the Swamp Dragons. Uh, Nets, kind of boring. All right, let's get to the Big 12. That's why you're here. You take the job mentioned. You took the job um, a little more than a year ago. Um, when you took it and you looked at the landscape of the Big 12 and college sports, um, what were your goals? What did you see? Well, I think generally speaking, as, as I was embarking on this chapter, if you will, professionally, I, I wanted to go somewhere where I thought I could have a transformative moment, um, where I thought uh, I could bring about some positive change. I thought there was some low-hanging fruit. I thought there was real opportunity uh, to do some things differently, and that my skills were pretty transferable. Obviously, I have a lot to learn and I continue to have a lot to learn as it relates to collegiate athletics. But I just felt that the, the conference was in a place where we could elevate and amplify the, the profile, the narrative. And if we got lucky, we could do some special things. And thankfully, it's been a pretty productive year for us. It has. And when you say low hanging fruit in, in terms of amplifying, what, what do you mean by that? 
I mean, in in its simplest form, you know, just from a business perspective, the conference hadn't changed its ticket pricing for our basketball championship in ten years. Okay, um, we 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 hadn't really transformed the conference into thinking about business, um, and I just felt there was real opportunity there. And thankfully, I I inherited a, an incredible board that is very like minded, and they wanted to disrupt and they wanted to innovate, and they wanted to create, and they wanted to kind of push some boundaries. And that was really focused on how do we evolve into more of a business? Obviously at the core, it's about student athletes and serving our our key constituents. But we also need to look at it from a business perspective. And that was that, was, that resonated obviously during the interview process. So I just felt that from that perspective, there was a lot of low-hanging fruit to drive revenue, to create value, to create new IP, to nationalize our profile, et cetera, et cetera. And they gave me the ability to do that. So over the past uh, uh, several weeks, very busy weeks, Colorado, the Arizona schools, with realignment, are you done? We're done. I mean, we had a vision when I came on board. There, there was three things that we really wanted to address big picture uh, items. One, we wanted to do our TV deal and go out early, stabilize the conference um, and, and give us you know a foundation for the future of it. Two, we wanted to resolve the Oklahoma, Texas situation. When I, when I was introduced um, uh, effectively on my first day, that was a big issue. Would they leave a year early or not? And what that relationship might look like going forward. And then the last of the three items was expansion. Could we set ourselves up for future expansion? My my board had an appetite to pursue that. Those were the three things we wanted to do. We accomplished all three in my first year. And when we thought about expansion, it was about getting into a port time zone. It was about potentially um, heading west. I, I was very intentional about it as far as you know our goals and thankfully we realized what effectively was the dream scenario uh, about a week ago when the four corner schools colorado being the first all agreed to join the big 12. the idea of uh realignment um seems to pop up every every couple of years um what could make you dive back into this well for me the the, the there were some guiding principles um, relative to expansion. But ultimately, it's about value creation. You know, there's no need just to expand for the sake of expanding. But when you think about, and, you know, we'll talk about our media partners, you know, what ultimately is going to create value for the Big 12 in that next TV cycle? And we go back into the market in January 30. Whatever we do now sets us up for that moment. We feel now being in 10 states, having over 90 million people in our footprint, being in four time zones, gives the Big 12 a chance to do some amazing things when we get back into that next TV negotiation. So the number one guiding principle for us was value creation. And and it'll always be that as we think about expansion or for that matter, anything else we do. Now, Brett, we're on our 100th show um, we've, I don't know, John might have specific numbers, but we've talked about the Pac-12, the Big 12 and college realignment. 
maybe 25% of the show. So it's been a big topic here. And one of the big decisions was you guys jumping in front of the Pac-12 to do your TV deal with ESPN and Fox. Can you take us through your thought process? And, you know, did you kind of, did you think, oh, maybe we should wait? What, What was your thought process in terms of what you decided to do there? So I, um, even when I was introduced, I was introduced um, a year ago, July, uh, uh, effectively at Media Day. And then I took the job August 1 of last year. Going into both those moments, uh, I had the idea of going early. I I just felt that we needed stability and clarity moving forward, especially on the heels of Texas and Oklahoma leaving. Even before I took the job, I went to see Mark Shapiro. And I said, Mark, if I get this job, I'm hiring Endeavor. Uh, Mark and I have known each other for years. Mark, you know, resembles me in many respects. He's aggressive. Um, and, and I needed someone on the team that, you know, not only had his mindset, but his experience and his approach. When I, so when I got this job, the first thing I did was outsource some thinking and strategy. Because when I inherited the conference, we didn't have much of an infrastructure here. But the number one thing that Endeavor, you know, was asked to do was to evaluate our TV deal, to identify kind of, you know, what the goal post would look like moving forward. And, you know, could we get something done quickly? And we went into the market, as you know, very quickly. And by October, we had effectively put together a deal with ESPN and Fox um and you know we had a verbal agreement and it was the right thing for us to do because it became the catalyst for everything we've done since then whether it's creating new ip new events the oklahoma and texas solution and then ultimately expansion um it was the number one catalyst now at the time i didn't realize that was really the last big deal uh, that was available media deal especially in in our industry of collegiate athletics but there was no doubt that at the time, we wanted ESPN and still do ESPN and Fox, so they could help elevate and amplify uh, our our schools, uh, our conference for all the right reasons. Um, I do think that you know, on a go forward basis, you know, the, the the digital distribution, you know, might be something that will play a big role in that next TV cycle. But right now, we wanted linear, we wanted exposure, we wanted marketing, we wanted ESPN and Fox. And I said, if I could get a good deal, maybe not a great deal, but a good deal, we were going to go early. And my board felt the same way and we did it. And I'm, and I'm glad we did. And, you know, sometimes in life you got to get lucky and we got a little lucky because had we not done that deal at the time we did, who knows if I'd be on the hundredth show here today. <laughs> you might not be. Now, in the, the tenor ESPN. of the questions might be a little bit different, I think. Well, right? Exactly. Maybe, maybe yeah. beyond, but the questions would be different. You're absolutely right. The, now, with ESPN, I reported this, you know, when it happened months and months ago, there was a pro rata clause put in there in terms of um, Power 5 uh, teams. I don't think Fox had that clause. Um, how has that process worked in terms of adding teams and in terms of your conversations, even at the beginning when you first did the deal, the idea of adding teams, just so people can understand that, because it's been a big topic in terms of yeah. college sports and how that works exactly in your original conversations. And as you move forward, how do the networks get involved in terms of the realignment aspect? The idea of expansion started here at the conference. 
I mean, this is something we wanted to do. We had a strategy for expansion and we had goals for expansion. Ultimately, we got to bring the partners in because our, our, our ESPN and Fox are partners in that effort. But they're not driving it. The decision-making was done here at the conference uh, amongst myself, my colleagues, the ADs, and our board. Ultimately, once we come up with that strategy and approach and we feel that we're making some progress, we address it with our media partners to see if that type of expansion creates value for all the right reasons today, tomorrow, and in, into the future. And with that, you know, also comes the conversation for funding and to help support that, you know, that, that expansion. So it was a collaborative effort ultimately at the end, but the idea to expand and where we want to expand to is something clearly done at the conference level with our key stakeholders. What about uh, with regards to the, the pro rata? Is that something that's in the contracts or is that something still to be negotiated? How would you describe that with uh, w- w- with the new schools coming in? Well, I mean, we do have a pro rata clause with ESPN. It's not in the Fox deal, but we've talked to Fox. They see the value of, of expansion and what it can mean for us today and in the future. And they're involved um, you know, financially and very supportive. So it worked out well for us. Right. When you when you took the job a year ago, there was a lot of speculation. I did a lot of speculation. It seemed like a terrible job to, to take. Your your predecessor was in sort of open and public warfare with ESPN over uh, over the, the uh, Texas and Oklahoma situation. And it, it appeared as though the uh, the the, their, uh, the Big 12 wasn't long for this uh, world. As you got in here and you went under the hood. How how serious were those? What was that speculation? Was that was that close to happening at all? No, I mean, I listen. I, I unfortunately there there was a lot of negative energy around the conference, uh, which was unfortunate. You know, Bob Bowlesby did a heck of a job. You know, I told them when I took the job, all he's doing is passing the baton to me, and and he and he gave me a really great platform. When you think about his recovery efforts with the four schools, um, Houston and UCF and and Cincinnati and BYU. I mean, those were great gets on the heels of Oklahoma and Texas and really solidified us. And in fact, if those four schools weren't here, I'm not sure I would have had the ability to go early with ESPN and Fox because they really helped me in my in, in my storytelling. You know, when you think about BYU and, and what they bring as a national brand, you think about Cincinnati and, and, and their participation in the CFP, um, you think about Houston in basketball and an emerging, um, you know, football program. And then you look at UCF and, and you know, their progress, um, you know, from an athletic standpoint over the years. So I, I was able to take all of that combined with the continuing aid to create a new, a, a great story for, for, you know, in our, in our efforts to get the new TV deal done. So I, I think it, you know, though the, the negative energy around the conference was really misstated. Um, and I saw a wonderful opportunity to t- seize the moment, you know, and to take what Bob has had left and, and really build it for the future. Um, and, and listen, I, wherever I've been, you guys know my career. Uh, I, I've been a bit of a change agent. Um, I, I've never inherited, you know, th- those, you know, really shiny platforms. Um, and, you know, for whatever the reason. And I, but I just felt there was real opportunity here. And um, and and I felt Bob left me in a great place, and it was really about me taking 
some of the assets and and really leveraging them on a go forward basis, which we sh- first were able to do with the TV deal we're doing and we're now doing in, in other ways. Now, you probably are aware of this, but, you know, a lot of people in college football, they say, you know, the biggest rivalry, maybe Army, Navy, but it turns out it's Big 12, Pac-12 um, has become the biggest rivalry in college sports. When you when you look at the situation with the Pac-12 and and you're in the other commissioner uh, of, of the Pac-12, George Kleokoff, how did you handle how have you handled that in terms of, you know, obviously you brought over some teams uh, from the Pac-12, um, which, you know, hurts them um, and helps you. How does that work in terms of your communication with Kleokoff and the Pac-12 and how does that all go down uh, behind the scenes? Andrew, I it's a great question. It's a great question, and and when I first took the job uh, in August of you know twenty two, uh, within the first week or two, there was a meeting of the commissioners, the five you know the A five commissioners in Chicago, and at that point in time, it was on the heels of USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, and it was kind of a get together of the commissioners and an opportunity for all all to break bread and discuss what had happened, and really you know where we're going moving forward. And as the rookie in the room, you know, I, I made it clear that there are going to be moments where we're going to compete. And there's other moments where we need to come together as a group. And it's no different than in any career move I've made. You know, when I was with the NBA, you know, you, you have your board of governors meetings and you're together and it's collegial and you're trying to figure out what's in the best interest of of the NBA and professional basketball. But then when you go back to Brooklyn, and in, in my particular case, you're competing with the other 29 teams, especially when it comes to free agents, et cetera. And I, I kind of brought that mindset to the meeting saying, hey, there are moments where we're going to compete. It's never personal. And then there's moments we all got to come together and do what's best for the industry. Um, I, what I have learned here during expansion, and I still do have a little bit of a knot in my stomach, I never want my gain to be someone else's loss. Uh, it's it's it, that's a little different here, and I, on the heels of not Colorado but of all four corner schools coming, I texted George, reached out to him. Obviously, he was busy. He and I spoke last week, and effectively, I said, "Hey, I'm sorry, it came down to this, and I'm sorry I put you in a tough position, but." This was something that, you know, we, we, we had to do. And, you know, this was something that the board and our key stakeholders um, encouraged. And um, I'm sorry that my gain is your loss. And we had a very collegial conversation. George was fantastic. And I'll be seeing him again in a couple of weeks at some industry meetings. Um, I'm not one to hide. And, and again, I, I've been very intentional um, about expansion. And I, and I did that in an effort to make sure that I didn't do it. I didn't do, you know, expansion didn't happen in someone's shadow. It didn't happen at night. It wasn't a shock and awe moment. Everyone knew the Big 12 had an appetite to expand. And um, I, 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 maybe some people in the industry didn't like that, that I was so intentional about it. But I'm very transparent. In fact, I telegraphed it. Um, and I just felt that was the right way to do it versus other things that I w- witnessed and, 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 and observed in our industry over time where transparency really wasn't really, the, you know, what happened. 
I felt I had to do it a little differently. And that's really about my personality and how I do things generally speaking. And when you, you talked about the TV deal earlier in terms of linear being very important to you for this deal, and you could see maybe digital becoming even more important for the next deal. Why does linear still win the day if you're a conference commissioner at this moment? Because I think we want exposure. You know, it's still the biggest platform. And I, I wanted to give our student athletes the biggest platform possible. You know, the, the marketing that ESPN and Fox do and, and the consumers they reach, I mean, it, it's, it's, they do it better than most, if not all. And I just felt that given where we are as a conference, we, we have a lot of emerging brands. When you think about our schools, they need that marketing. They need that promotion. Um, and I, I just felt that that was in our best interest. You know, when you think about our first game this year, which happens to be Colorado at TCU, it'll be on Big Noon, uh, Fox. I mean, my God, that platform is going to be great for us. Uh, ESPN offers so much, you know, throughout the year um, in, in everything they do to support college football. So we wanted to be a part of that. And in our new TV deal, we will be the only conference that's both with Fox and ESPN, which is a huge differentiator for us. And I think a selling point when you think about recruitment and getting on the consciousness of future student athletes. I think that's an important part of it. Brandon, I've, I've heard you talk in the past several times about the idea that basketball is undervalued. And sure enough, in, in this pod, we're, we're talking about the football and the football rivalries. Uh, there have been some really good sources of mine that have described the Big 12 as as much of a basketball conference as, as a football conference. Is the market overvaluing football uh, as opposed to uh, at the expense of basketball? I don't know if they're overvaluing football, but I'm a firm believer that basketball is undervalued. You know, when you think about our aggregate audience that we deliver to our media partners annually between basketball and football, basketball today, and it's growing, is about 25% of that total audience. We're not getting 25 cents on the dollar for basketball. Okay. And it's growing. So uh, I'm excited about where we're going. And, you know, when you think about realignment expansion, my goal wasn't to compromise football. My goal was to grow football while also growing basketball. And I think we've done that. You know, when you think about the foreign coming schools, I mean, Arizona coming into this conference, even Colorado, who will be a top 25 school this year, and Arizona State is obviously very, very good. And, and Utah's improving. I mean, we... We double down on basketball while also improving football. So uh, I'm really excited. And it, 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 we are the deepest conference, I think, in America when it comes to football. But arguably, we are the number one conference in basketball. And I'm excited about that. And, and basketball also is a catalyst for me to do a lot of different things. It's a catalyst for international expansion. Very tough to take football internationally. But basketball is very easy. Uh, you know, and and it's part of a big part of our Mexico strategy, which I announced a couple of, uh, year um, months ago, where we're going to Mexico in the fall of 2024 with Kansas and Houston, and we'll be announcing some other initiatives around basketball and how we're going to monetize it. So um, I'm excited about the opportunity to further leverage basketball, especially in in that next media cycle. I have got on record saying maybe we bifurcate football and basketball. Maybe we don't, but, you know, we'll, we'll have the optionality for sure to do it. 
and we'll see where we can create the most value. Could you add, when you talk about expansion in basketball, you know, specifically there's two teams out there or two universities out there that have great basketball programs in Connecticut and Gonzaga. Where, where does that stand? Well, right now, you know, I, I, I did have conversations uh, with, with UConn and Gonzaga and unfortunately, you know, things didn't work out only because, you know, the dream scenario unfolded for us. Um, so those conversations, uh, you know, are, are, are no longer. Um, I'm a big admirer of both those programs. They're fantastic for all the right reasons. Um, but right now, you know, I'm focused on the transition of those four in right now. And, and also, how do I leverage the fact that, you know, I'm now a 16-team league in 10 states with 90 million people in four different time zones. So that's my focus right now. Now, Brett, you said if, you know, if things hadn't gone differently, we might be asking you a harder question. So let me just do one that's a little bit different. The Big 12 tournament. Okay, I'm a writer at heart, covered the Yankees forever, been in a million press boxes. You had these people on the moon, the uh, the <laughs> press people. We need to move them down. What's going to happen with that? I got to speak up for my uh, fellow writers who, who travel there. They pay the money to get there. I saw the pictures. What, what's, what's our thinking there? Andrew, let me tell you a couple of things about that. First of all, I was very transparent about it. Okay. So last year, Basketball Media Day in October, I told the media, we're changing your 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 seat locations and we're moving you up okay. because we had an opportunity to create 208 premium seats that drove incredible revenue and value for our key stakeholders. And again, all those dollars go back to our member institutions. Okay. Yes, we put them upstairs. We afforded them a great culinary experience. And by the way, I sat up there for most of the sessions to experience it myself. Because I would never ask anyone to do something I would do myself. Okay, now was it a, was it you know like the the seating they had previously? No, it wasn't. Okay, but at the time I felt it was the best location, given the scarcity of tickets. Think about it. We don't even go on public sale when we sell out our championship, and that's ten teams. Now we're moving to sixteen. Now that being said. I did address the media afterwards and I gave them my commitment to see whether or not I could modify that experience for them and make it better. And you know me, I mean, even though we haven't really engaged personally, I'm a relationship guy. Okay. And, and I want everyone to be happy. You know, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the customer service business and still am, and uh, I'm going to try to make it better for them uh, next spring. That's my goal. And I I would say the argument I'd make is that, these places now, I know like, especially the media gets a lot of criticism for like being negative, this thing, but it's promoting your game, right? Like all these people are spending money to be there. And I think you're right. Like the idea that, that the media should be, uh, you know, next on court side, I can under, that's very understandable that you'd move them out of court side, but I think you need to be able to see the game well to really cover something appropriately and, Again, it's promoting, I think, what you're doing in, in large part. Yes, there's controversies. We, we're annoying. We ask hard questions, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think that, you know, uh, there is that side of it as well. I agree with you. And by the way, the media does a fantastic job covering our conference. Fantastic. I have no issues with the media. They've been fair, um, better than fair. Um, so I'm committed to try to make that experience better. 100%. Fair enough. I, Thank you. 
Andrew, I have uh, I have one last question uh, for Brad. I, I can't let you go, Brad, without bringing up uh, your brother, Michael, a proud graduate of the University of Maryland College Park. He's your identical twin. He's uh, also in the sports business. He's a top Rock Nation executive. I need to know, when was the last time either you posed as Michael or Michael posed as you? Well, you know, interesting enough, it never really happened. As, as much as we look, I mean, very much alike and maybe even more so now than ever before. I would say the last time there was a bit of confusion was when I was dating my now wife. And we just celebrated, matter of fact, today is my anniversary, 10, 10 years. Wow. And 100th episode, it's your 10 year anniversary. And, I love and, it. 10th anniversary today. And interesting enough, when Elena, my wife, was getting to know me, my brother would stop by because she runs a restaurant in Manhattan. Andrew, I don't know if you know that, but it's Fresco by Scotto on 52nd Street between Park and Madison. If you haven't been there, you need to go. Ask her Elena. She'll take great care of you. Great. So Michael used to come into the restaurant while we were dating, and she would say, hey, honey, how are you? And Michael would say, hey, no, 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 I'm the other one. I'm not Brett. That was probably the last time any kind of confusion has happened. Unfortunately, Michael and I haven't been in a lot of the same places together. Because he lives in London now, as you said, he's building the the international business for Rock Nation. He's done a fantastic job. Um, he's taken them into the consulting business in Europe, but he's also gotten into the talent management on the sports side, big in European soccer, big in rugby. Um, so I haven't spent a lot of time with my brother. And we get together for family events and things of that nature. So there hasn't been a lot of confusion. But I am going to take him to a college football game this year. And I'm sure there's going to be people that are going to call him the commissioner. <laughs> and it'll be interesting whether or not he just nods his head as if he is or not. So we'll see. This is good news for us in the 100th episode. We just broke some news. Because, John, there's a lot of talk throughout this whole thing about this deadline and that deadline. Now we know why it all wrapped up. Brett had to be done before his 10th anniversary. Or, or there might not have been an 11th anniversary. I think we figured out where the deadlines were. No, no, listen, I'm, we only I'm knew blessed, this Listen, I, I appreciate being on the show today. Um, you, know, you guys do a fantastic job. And the only thing I would say, you know, as, as we kind of conclude is, and I've been saying this for a year, but I, and I meant it, but I mean it more than, more now than ever before. Never been a better time to be part of the Big 12 than right now. And, and I mean that, you know, from every perspective. And I'm really excited about our future. And when you think about our conference, we're only 27 years old. And, you know, so I kind of look at us as a mature startup. We've got that grit. We've got that grind in our DNA now. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited about where we're going to take this thing. I'm excited for our student athletes. I'm excited for our key stakeholders. Um, and the best is yet to come. And I thank you both for all your support. Brett, thank you for your time. We appreciate you taking the time to join us on the uh, Marciano Rand Sports Media Podcast. And we're sure we'll talk to you uh, down the line. Thank you. Thank you both. Andrew, what a great interview that was. I, he answered every single question. Uh, pretty, I, 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 don't, I didn't see, I need to listen again, but I didn't see any dodges in there. No, I don't think so. Hopefully it gets the press a little bit lower than that uh, for the Big 12. That's my, uh, that was my goal for the Big 12 champion, but we thank him for uh, doing that. Uh, he, was, he was excellent and he did a great job. I mean, he likes the podcast. I was going to say, you like the podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, every three weeks or who's up? I mean, of course you're going to like the podcast. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how it works. It's kind of like, uh, you know, when you have kids, like, and they play Little League or something, you know, the coach is as good as 
as much as he plays your kid. Like that's how people say like, Oh, you know, he kind of yells at her, oh, but he plays my kid. So it's kind of like one of those things. If you get a who's up and they're and you're, we're praising him, of course he thinks it's the best podcast ever. Now a year from now, if we start ripping them, then you might not like it as much. Well, a hundred episodes, I expected streamers or something. I'm it's sure pretty... Chris Mason's going to, you know, we're just doing his live. He's going to add all his little uh, gadgets to the pod. 100 100 100 like Wilbon and Kornheiser they would have the party hats on with the uh you know the, the horns our 100th episode is probably our longest but I I wanted to give a quick thanks to Chris Mason master of the board uh AC Wyatt who who came on a couple of times a couple of episodes ago and became an instant star and then he's uh, becoming you again well why is that AC He's not even listening. AC cares so much about it. He's not even listening. Right? <laughs> okay. AC, are we boring you, man? No. AC was like, what? I was uh, muted. I did not realize it. AC was like, I was doing actual work. Will you guys, will you finish this podcast already? You have the floor, AC. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. It's, a great, it's just a great <laughs> honor to be a part of these hundred episodes. And <laughs> we really appreciate all of you guys' efforts. The man worked at ESPN. This is not an honor. Come on. I was probably like a little more than two years ago. Uh, my boss, Save Madcore, came to me and he had been talking with uh, people at the New York Post and Doug Perlman, uh, who was uh, one of the guys involved with uh, the, the Pac-12, trying to get the Pac-12 deal done. And they asked me, you know, do you want to do a, a podcast with uh, Andrew Marshan? And I said, yeah, I said yes, probably within a second, because of course I did. I mean, it's, been a, it's been a ton of fun. I, and I just wanted to acknowledge uh, some of the people that really push us to make that happen. Yeah, I had a similar story. Chris Shaw, the sports editor at the New York Post, called me and he said, would you want to do a podcast uh, with John Oren? And then I named like 10 other media writers who I'd rather do a podcast with. <laughs> and then finally I said, all right, I'll do it with John. No, I'm kidding. No, I said that would be great because obviously you're uh, informed and a great guy. So it's it's been good. want to thank Chris for that call. Warren Cohen on our side as well. Um, and all the people who work uh, at the post to, to make this all happen so we appreciate that as well um and so uh that's gonna do it as always if you can give us the five stars if you like it um and review it uh it's helpful we're told so we can get 100 more shows so thanks everybody and thanks to you john thanks for listening that's our 100th episode we go over an hour we go over an hour yeah, we, maybe it should be an hour or not 60 i don't know how i get to that one zero zero okay Chris is going to have to do like 30 drops to get us to 100 minutes. Are we recording this? Because this is good for bloopers. Andrew, they said it couldn't be done. It's our 100th <laughs> show. I know, were you serious about that when you texted me? You said that there are doubters? No, it was a joke. <laughs> oh, God, I was like, what are you talking about? You're not like Stephen A and Skip. I know. Like, thinking that's, why like so, <laughs> that's why it's so funny to me. I was like, what are you talking? We had doubters? I don't think anybody cared. Uh, they could possibly get... John just started the pod. We're 100 episodes in. His FaceTime has still gone up. It went off during the Yarmark interview. It went off now. Like, when we get to the 200th episode, will you learn how to turn off your FaceTime? I like I, I like it. I like it. Wait, is that on your Great. computer or on your phone? No, it's on my computer. And I got to get my my daughter. I got to get her to, you know, she's going off to school. I got to get this. Uh, I, I, I can't figure this out.